Hi, and welcome to season seven of our Focus on Women podcast. Thank you so much for all of your support. I can't believe we've gotten to season seven. We're super excited. We have a new website, so please make sure to check us out at focusonwomen.org. We have a new membership base, so please make sure to join and be a member. It could be our first round of founding members if you join before October. If you'd like to be on our podcast and interviewed, we'd love for that to happen too. So make sure you check out the podcast links as well as that membership link. And please remember to subscribe to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review for the podcast as well. Thanks everyone. This is Tracy, and today's guest is Christy Raymond. She is the founder of Humankind Casting. Christy aligns with creative teams using grassroots efforts to seek out and find those faces and voices that reflect diversity and inclusion to deliver an impactful and powerful story. She is another amazing female entrepreneur dedicated to keeping her craft moving forward, and she is starting an initiative that supports that, that I can't wait for her to talk more about with us today. I hope you know what I'm talking about, Christy. <laughs> anyway, I'll, br- I'll bring you there, I promise. Um, and we also have Shelly, our amazing podcast producer with us too. So welcome Shelly and Christy. Thank you for having me, Tracy. So excited for this conversation. So Christy um, is based in Boston, Massachusetts, somewhere around there. And can you tell us if, uh, take us all the way back, where did you get into, where and when did you start doing production work? (laughs) Uh, Well, my, I started in this industry um, right out of college. I worked at a modeling agency in Boston and after a year um, was really feeling uh, the pull that I could do this and I could do it better. So I was 24 years old. And in 1991, I launched Models Inc., uh, a really successful agency. We lo- located on Newbury Street, uh, where, you know, at the time, the elite meet to eat, you know, that was the big place to be. Um, Model was really known as the hotter, younger, sexier talent. Um, I would spend hours uh, riding subways, scouting new talent. Um, But one of the things I think we really did that was different was we actually spent time developing talent. It wasn't just about finding established people. It was about finding new faces. I was uh, very happy to be a part of that uh, company and and lead that company for 10 years. And in 2000, I left to have my daughter and um, came back into the business on the other side by starting to doing castings for a lot of photographers that I built up relationships with over the years. Um, Most of them did not want models traipsing through their studio all day and having to be nice all day. So I took over that for them. And once I started doing some casting, it was often, can you do the location scouting? Or can you manage the location scouting? Can you manage this project? Can you produce this project? And one thing rolled into another. And my second uh, business, Viewfinder Productions, was launched. Um, and that was a successful production company. We did casting, location scouting, and onset production for a variety of clients around New England and beyond. We often traveled with some of our clients. Uh, interestingly enough, one like Iron Mountain, which was, you know, paper shredding that we made sexy and pretty, Um, but we were traveling with um, a particular crew for that client and it was really great. Uh, I loved it. Um, In 2015, I was offered a full-time position at Hasbro um, as a senior photo producer and 
I don't know. I think the timing was just right. I decided to say yes to that um, and really was my first opportunity to have a job in the corporate world um, and begin to understand a little bit about that corporate culture, uh, how things, you know, how things were accomplished, how things were not accomplished. Um, and I tried to use that time to continue with my talk about casting, about bringing diversity, uh, inclusion. And I always add the word belonging because it, it can't just look like a checked box. Um, and I think that the company as a whole was really open to it. Um, but I think that I just kept, kept hitting some barriers as far as like really trying to establish a position within the organization that focused solely on casting for print and video. Um, so last year when COVID hit, <laughs> um, working from home, I used my commuting hours to really figure out what was next in my life and um, humankind is next. And that is what I launched in January, focusing on casting and crew coordination, keeping in mind those pillars of diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And that's where we are today. We're six months in and it's going really well. I'm really happy to be able to use my leadership, my longevity in the industry as a platform to um, welcome others and to find others that we can bring into our creative community um, here and beyond. So I'm really curious about the previous businesses that you started and then when you left to go into the corporate world. So what happened to those two other businesses? Did you sell them? Did you just, you know, close shop? What, what, what was the transition? For Models Inc., um, we did actually merge the business in 1999 with a New York and international agency, Click Models. So we had had a relationship with Francis and Joey at that agency and they, um, Things were happening in that time, and I, and I think that we really felt that the presence of a New York and international agency in Boston would really lift the business, um, and it did. We were really fortunate, and I decided to leave for personal reasons. Uh, you know, as a woman, I had been trying to get pregnant and had struggled, and when I finally got the UR, I was like, okay, so now I'm focusing completely on this. And, and at the time, you know, my husband and I really, I wanted to focus on the health of my pregnancy and I, I decided to step away. So um, I just worked my way out of the industry. I was purchased, you know, I got bought out and I left and um, focused on, you know, being pregnant. Um, that agency continued on for many years. Uh, and, I, and I'm glad. I think that they actually, um, maybe just the last five years ago, they pulled out of um, Boston, I think just work overall in the industry changing. But um, I was really happy that, you know, the agency could continue on. Um, Viewfinder Productions, I honestly closed it. I, um, I, just decided, I, I don't know, I, I I thought about keeping it out there, but I just felt like people would continue to contact me and I really wanted to give a dedication to Hasbro um, and to the team that was welcoming me there. Um, getting into corporate jobs, I've heard can be very difficult and this was one that was gifted to me. So I felt like I really wanted to try to absorb as much as I could about those types of, about the operation there and what was happening as well as how I could potentially make a difference. Um, I, I was sad to let Viewfinder go, but I also feel like as a woman, you know, we, we go into our chrysalis and we come out and, you know, I, I, I was in my viewfinder chrysalis for 15 years. It was amazing. Um, and then when I saw this other opportunity that again, 
was handed to me. It was a hard decision because I'd been a business owner for so long, 25 years. Um, but as all business owners know, and you're freelance and you work for yourself, you know, having those months where you're checking your phone to make sure it's still working because you're not as busy and how are I going to pay my bills next month? I've, you know, the thought of a regular paycheck was very enticing. Um, and I'm glad I did it. I really am. I'm glad I got to see that side of the industry. I, I hadn't seen it. I hadn't been participated in it as an outsider, um, as a uh, vendor or a contractor for clients like Hasbro. I never got to see the inner workings. This was an opportunity to see inner workings, which now help me and guide me with humankind. So that's actually something I was really curious about, right? Um, I, I was on the corporate side for a long time and then went freelance and kind of have a similar like idea of what happens on the inside of things. And so that is really kind of a curiosity of mine when it comes to you know where you were, right? You had done your work, you had built these incredible businesses, you chose to sell one or you know merge with someone else, and then the other one you chose to close. But when you move from being freelance to corporate, there is a huge learning curve. Can you kind of just talk yeah. a little bit about that mind shift? Because you're not doing the hustle the same way as before. <laughs> no, the, the go, go, go. Um, kind of becomes go, go, go. <laughs> and at first, <laughs> so you, you, you're still trying to, to do a lot of the same process, right? As this, as a photo producer, what I'm doing to produce the photo shoots internally, was very much the same steps that I would take to produce a photo shoot externally, arranging vendors, arranging talent, locations, catering and craft, travel when necessary, et cetera. So the, some of those steps didn't change, but the length of time it, to do those steps sort of changed. So I, I felt like the pace slowed down immensely for me. Um, and it, although I was juggling a lot of uh, different brands within Hasbro. So I might be working with my little pony and I might be working with the Nerf and I'm doing multiple shoots for either still the pace was slower. Um, so that was one thing that took me a bit of time. And I remember going to my manager at times saying like, they haven't gotten back to me. We're, we're supposed to be doing this next week. And I, you know, usually I would have everything buttoned up and ready to go. And they're like, Oh, don't worry about it. They'll get back to you. And I was like, hmm. But I, I learned after about six to eight months, you know, sort of figured out how to adjust the pace a little bit of my own brain. Um, and that did take some working and also understanding what it takes to get a response or an answer, especially those above me. So when you're trying to change, so for instance, I approached the Baby Alive brand because they were really one of the most open um, brands, you know, within the company with regards to diversity and inclusion. And I said, I don't understand why we don't have any boys <laughs> in any of your pictures. You know, I it's okay that you don't have boy dolls, but which they do now, but I don't understand why you don't have any boys. I don't understand why you don't have any children with disabilities or special abilities, as I like to call them. Um, why don't we see any of them? And, and so I got the ear, and that is the key thing, I think, with some of the corporate. If you can get the ear of someone above, then you have an opportunity to make something happen. And that was not always the case. I would often spin my wheels in the studio, not getting any response, just following the same old routine. But when that team glommed on and said, yes, this is a great idea. We were able to align with a group um, that's a nationally uh, 
sure, I think it's a nonprofit. It's called Changing the Face of Beauty. I'm not sure if they're still active, but at the time they were really active in getting companies to consider children with disabilities in their advertising. So we aligned with them. We did this massive open call. We had children of all abilities coming in. Um, and then they ended up actually using some of these children in their packaging, in their advertising, in their videos. And it was a huge, you know, for me, that was a huge success. But just trying to understand, that took me 10 months. 10 months to get approved. And that, well, that I think was the hardest with the corporate because when I worked for myself, if I wanted to do something, I just did it. I made that executive decision approved and moved on. And you didn't really get that opportunity in the corporate side. It became a little slower with, with getting those. Right, you so, had to play the culture game, right? Where you have to kind of plant the really seed, and plant the, seed and plant the seed. Yes, which I didn't really know anything about. So I did learn and I learned from a few wonderful um, mentors and instructors um, at Hasbro. I, I actually participated in their mentor program. And as someone who has been a mentor for others in my in my life, to be the mentee was really interesting. And, and I was really thankful for who they paired me with. And I really felt that that was an opportunity to, to learn a lot. And, 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 in, and in turn, I proposed other ideas um, with regards to casting, you know, bringing casting internal uh, versus going outside all the time. And, uh, you know, definitely got some good response. Not the response that I wanted or not the response that I I guess I thought they would be so excited about. Um, and then at times things just, again, the, the spinning of the wheels frustrated me. And I, I just thought, you know, I appreciate that I've got the ear of some, but I'm, I want the ear of all. <laughs> so, you know, so I think again, when last year hit and we were sent home, um, and even though we were a photo studio where all of our work happens in the studio, you know, we were, I used the time that I would have commuted to that job, which was an hour in the morning and the hour in the afternoon, um, to define what I wanted to try to do with this new business. So you touched on mentoring, both being on both sides of that conversation, right? Both being a mentor and being a mentee. And so I want to start with being a mentor first, right? So what is that, what does those relationships look like? Maybe give us an example of something, somebody you mentored in the past. Um, I think that in my position over the years, a lot of people have come to me, you know, again, as the owner of a modeling agency, as the owner of a production company, I want to get involved in this industry. How do I get involved in this industry? Or I'm a makeup artist and I just can't break into this industry. Um, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I guess it's not a formal program, uh, but I have set aside time with individuals throughout the years to say, okay, I'm, I'm giving you my privy information. I'm going to tell you how to get into this business. I'm going to tell you the people to contact. I'm going to um, share with you what I look for in a, a portfolio of a makeup artist. I'm going to share with you what I look for in a portfolio of a wardrobe or prop stylist, um, because that's what I hear the clients looking for. So you know, I think just giving of my time on a regular basis. I mean, I'm, I feel like I've had people who come to me, I look at them on Facebook now. And I say to that, you know, I say, congratulations, or great job on this one. Like, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. I wouldn't be here if you didn't give me this instruction. I wouldn't be here if you didn't give me that support. So in that way, I, I feel like I have been a mentor to a lot of these folks and people from all over, whether they wanted to get into modeling or acting or, or go further um, in other uh, forms of the production crew, 
I think when you give freely of the information that you have of your industry or, or, or of life as a whole, uh, you are, you are, you just become that mentor, uh, for, for people. And again, I'm always so happy. I have a, a friend who's a makeup artist and she was primarily a wedding makeup artist. And we, you know, I, I had the modeling agency at the time and we, we slowly brought her in on, on some of our test shoots that we were doing with our models. Um, she built that up. She built it up to a point where she was getting all kinds of actual, you know, client work. And then she too was offered a full-time job at a group called Rue La La here in Boston. And I remember sitting in my car, talking to her on the phone and she's just like, I don't know what to do. Uh, what, you know, she, am I risking my reputation? Am I risking my career by taking this full-time position? And, you know, like we just sort of sat and went through pros and cons. I didn't tell her to take it. I didn't tell her not to take it. She took it. She you know, furthered her career further. And then she also left that job and now again is back into the uh, freelance world and into, you know, I think a different level of her, of what she brings to the job now because she's had that corporate experience. Um, and as far as, you know, just being available to people, I think they get that from me. It's what I, what's, it's what I want to do. I want people to feel free to ask me questions. I'm not going to not share, you know, I'm not afraid. <clears throat> I don't come from a place of scarcity. So I'm not afraid to share with you what I do because you're going to go run away and do it too. I come from a place of abundance. The more I share, the more people are in our community that can further our industry and make it a better place for everyone. But that's how I see mentor. That's how I feel like I have been that type of mentor and been that person for, for people. Uh, in some, I think some people consider our industry perhaps a little impersonal or they, I think that they think that they know everything about it, especially like modeling, just because of what they see in photos or, you know, read in a magazine. And I can tell you that it's not any of that. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I want to share. And, I, and I, again, I don't feel by withholding information that benefits anybody. Right, you and that's, that's what I got from being the mentee as well, because I was very clear. I mean, it was quite a process too that they had within Hasbro. You, you apply, you sort of say, what are your goals within this program? Um, and I was clear, like I've never been in the corporate world. I wanna understand this culture. I wanna understand this a little bit better. I, I want the nitty gritty. I want someone who's had some experience in, in a variety of roles within this organization as well as others. And they did pair me with a wonderful uh, woman who had been with Digitas in Boston. And um, even though she was probably 15 years my junior, she had incredible amounts of information to share with me. And, and I became the sponge once again to soak up as much as I could. Um, to better myself as a, as a, again, if I was staying at Hasbro as a, as an employee, but also as, you know, again, somebody within our, our field and our industry and be, be just being able to be more well-rounded, I guess. Well, I love that you touched on the fact that she was your junior being your mentor, right? So that means like information can flow in many directions and that Absolutely. no matter where you are on that spectrum, you can learn someone no matter their age or you know, I, I, I completely agree. I, I, I completely agree about that. I think that's so important. And, you know, even someone just starting, I want to hear their perceptions. I want to hear what they see and think 
because perhaps they're seeing and thinking about something that I haven't seen or thought about in 30 plus years, you know, that's a possibility and it happens. Uh, and I think when we open our minds and our, you know, our eyes to other opportunities or to other people's perspectives or to, you know, others that want to be in this industry, you know, we create um, a better community. Uh, um, can you talk a little bit more about your latest endeavor and what led you, because you shared some insight with me before we were recording of kind of what led you, some numbers that led you to, I think, where you are now and what you're, what you're focusing on in terms of inclusivity and bringing those people along. I will tell you, Tracy, it wasn't so much numbers. There was a, I was in a meeting. I'm not going to say where, and we were reviewing a talent options and a marketing person made the comment that it was, it was a, a male talent is too black. I almost fell off my chair. I couldn't believe someone just said that out loud. And this was probably about five or six years ago. Wow. And I, and they just kept talking. Like it was not a wrong comment to say. I, and I rerouted the cover. We got, we completed that part of the conversation where I rerouted it back. And I said, I really want to go back to this because this talent is the right person. You know, you, you, you described them to me and here they are. Right. And I think that the perception, and again, this person was marketing, so they had no experience like on a set with lighting, with cameras, with wardrobe, with hair and makeup. And with I talent. think that they just looked, they just looked at skin tone and was like, oh, that's just, it's just not gonna work. And I and they didn't have an answer for why. And I, you know, that was the first impetus for me in some way to really start a conversation and try to bring that conversation up um, on many occasions moving forward. Um, sometimes well-received, sometimes not well-received at all. Hmm. Um, and it, I think that that was sort of the start of thinking, hmm, how can I make a change? How can I use my experience and my skills? to make a little bit of a change here because it just kind of made me sick to my stomach, to be honest. Right. Sure. And, you know, did find some success with, you know, lots of the clients that were like, yes, let's embrace this. Let's embrace this. And just in feeling that we were getting some momentum moving in the right direction. Um, you know, again, last year COVID hits and then you know, the country, our country itself going through um, the social upheaval uh, that was started with the death of George Floyd, uh, probably should have started, you know, Breonna Taylor. I think that when things started happening and conversations then that were behind closed doors were then happening in front, were happening out in the open. And it really made me think that if I'm having this conversation with this team here where I am right now, are other companies having these conversations? Are we really thinking consciously and with intent when we are talking about talent that is being seen in our content? Or are we just checking a box to say black, white, whatever? Um, I got a little on a Jane Elliott bandwagon. And if you don't know Jane Elliott, I highly recommend. I absolutely adore her. I have. Um, 
been to uh, probably about seven or eight of her Zoom presentations over the past year. And I really think that her message um, is, is quite powerful in that we are not, uh, none of us are white. None of us are this color, right? We are all shades of brown, whether you are melanemic or melanaceous. You, th that is how we should be describing ourselves as a humanity and not so much as black and white, because when we go to the black and white, we put ourselves on opposite ends of the spectrum. And we have already laid out that we are on other sides. I think that uh, her message resonated with me when I started hearing it. And I started thinking, you know what, I can, I can wrap this message into my passion, which is casting and photography and production. Um, and I can do this on my own. I can really make and, and send this message to my community, I can get I can get people to think. I've gotten people to think in the past, and I think I can get people to think deeper and further uh, into what we do on a regular basis. So that it was the impetus, and you know, I I didn't know you know at the beginning I didn't know what it was going to be called or how it was you know going to really materialize, but. I just tried to really sort of be very open and, you know, to, you know, not to get all um, crazy, but to the universe. And what was the universe going to tell me? You know what I mean? What was the universe going to send to me? Um, because I, I believe that that's what it did. And I was driving by a car one day on the highway and I looked at its little bumper sticker and it said, humankind be both. And I said, you know what? That's it. Humankind. That is where I'm going. Oh, I love that. And that's where it came from. That's very powerful. I'm so excited to say that our sponsor for season seven is the American Photographic Artist. They were established in 1981 and they're a not-for-profit trader association run by photographers for photographers working in the advertising and editorial sectors. They understand the challenges of this industry and advocate on behalf of their members. The APA offers inspiration, education, and advocacy. The APA membership structure gives every photographer an affordable way to belong to a community of like-minded professionals. APA members are connected by regional chapters, providing both a national and local connection to networking, portfolio reviews, photo competitions, and activism. The APA supports women and minority photographers. Their diversity committee is charged with clearing a path to success for those who are traditionally underrepresented. The APA Scope webinar and podcast series includes discussions with photographers reimagining the photo industry as one driven by diversity and inclusion. Please stay tuned to the end of this podcast for our APA code, which will get you half off a contributor membership. Thanks. And I, I believe the same thing. I think what you put out comes back to you. And I think um, what you're doing is incredible. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about how does that marketing look for you? And how has that outreach been? You know, like it's, I'm sure there must be some nuances to it, right? And did you already have in your mind who you were going to go back to with the conversation or... Can you just tell us a little bit about how you've been marketing for it? 
I'm sure there's some nuance there and whether or not did you already have in mind who you were going to approach about it or did you have a new list of people that you were looking at? If you could just share your, you know, how that marketing has evolved for the new company. Sure. Um, the marketing is still evolving. Uh, I will be completely honest with you on that. I think that when I first launched Humankind, um, I spent the first three months just going through my former Rolodex, literally, <laughs> of people that I'd worked with as a Viewfinder Productions, as Model Sync, um, really sort of kind of tagging in those that I'd had a, a, a bit more of a intimate connection with or a uh, relationship that might have expanded a little bit outside of the photo set. Um, maybe people I had um, spent time with at you know, dinners or things, uh, parties, you know, kind of had a little bit uh, more of a relationship with. But I spent the first three months just reaching out and, you know, at the still time, scheduling Zoom calls, talking with people about what I mm -hmm. wanted to do how I was looking to do it, which again was still sort of being mapped out uh, because it is a little, you do have to be, I think a little, um, I don't know what the right word is, uh, careful. Uh, the way you approach the casting, especially if you're looking for a specific category or you're looking for a particular group. My thing is, instead of just asking for them, I go to the group. I fi I'd find individuals within the group and I ask very specifically what wording can I use? What wording is appropriate? What is not, you know, I don't want to insult anyone, but I also want it, I don't want it to be that I know everything because I absolutely do not. I really want to be able to be respectful, whether it's pronouncing people's names correctly from the very beginning, just because when I look at the writing, I can't figure out how to pronounce it, to understanding uh, the uh, the community of people with disabilities because you know we lump them together because we don't have dis you know I don't have a physical disability but you lump them together and they're like no 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 you can't lump us together because you've got spinal injury you've got um, people with CP you've got all these different groups of you've got people who are in an accident that are now paraplegic they all are individual in their own way and they all often have language that's very unique to to them so I think listening. I do a lot of listening. I do a lot of um, writing down notes about what, how I can be a better ally to these communities so that when I am doing a casting, they know it is not an exploitive uh, approach. I am doing it with sincerity. I am doing it with intention and I am doing it with them in mind. Um, I think some clients are wonderful. They are all over it. And, and again, I've used my own personal contacts from throughout the years. People that I worked with are now at other places. Uh, one gentleman I worked with quite a bit at Hasbro, who's now at a um, company in Vermont. And, you know, I reached right out to him after and I said, come on, I'm looking at your stuff. I'm looking at your website. I'm looking at your catalog. I don't really see a lot of diversity here. Like, are you, are you ready to talk about that? I, do you want to have that casting conversation? And sometimes it's no, we're not ready to talk about it. And sometimes it's yes, I really want to talk about it. And what can we do? Um, so nice. I, it's just a matter of, I think, starting the conversations, because if they are at a corporate account or at, within a corporation, they now have to go through their levels of bureaucracy and their levels of individuals above them to get things approved and to get those looks and to get the that sort of intention uh, really become part of their process so that it is and again we go all the way back to the beginning as they're really come up and coming up with their creative concept it's the intention 
where are we going with the intention of that? And I think that when that is sort of evident throughout the whole process, that final piece or pieces, uh, you can really see it. You can feel it. You can look at the photo and be moved emotionally by it. Right. That's great. And can we talk besides the talent? You also, I think you brought it up a little bit. You also do some crew, right? And promoting of that and getting more inclusive with crew and what that looks like and what, what you have or haven't seen on set in terms of that for crew. Yes. So as I mentioned, you know, 30 plus years in this business, and I am very sad to say that I can count on one hand, the number of female lead photography projects I've produced. Other than being internal um, at Hasbro, because we did have a very diverse team of photographers, but out there in the world, not very many. And even sadder, is that I have never worked with a photographer of color as the lead as the lead photographer. And that is even sadder to me. That just is just unbelievable to me. And I want to try to get clients to think about that as well. I, I, I feel like it's still a little bit, and I hope this isn't the right, the wrong thing to say, like of an old boys network. I, I feel like there are sort of this higher echelon of photographers that seem to get all the work and people who are really strong, great portfolios, excellent perspective are not getting the opportunity to be seen. So I, I, I challenge, I challenge creative teams to look beyond the typical photographers that they have worked with. And not that I don't love those photographers because they hire me too, but let's look beyond it to your ultimate goal, what are your ultimate creative goals? Again, we bring up that word intention. And let's add, let's think about that for the crew as well. Whether it's the hair and makeup artist, if you are having people of color on your set, your makeup artist should either number one, be completely prepared to work with people of color with all skin tones and have all materials ready for them. I, the thought that models still have to bring their own base their own foundation for their skin tone, uh-uh, wrong. A makeup artist should be able to cover everyone. A makeup artist and hairstylist should be able to manage any hair, any texture, any style, and not just expect the talent to be the ones taking care of that. And, and I heard a lot of that. I hear a lot of that from female black talent, that when they show up, oftentimes the hair and makeup person will look at their hair and be like, Basically, the talent ends up doing their own hair. That's wow. just unacceptable to me. That is completely unacceptable. Same thing for photography. If we're doing beauty, where are the female photographers shooting females? When I see male photographer shooting a beauty campaign, we are seeing his perception and perspective of beauty, whether it's the angle, whether it's the lighting, what, no matter what, I feel like we're really missing out on female photographers who, who should be getting those big campaigns, uh, you know, just as much as the Hollywood industry is trying to get female directors and female producers, you know, we, as a photo industry, uh, we should be working together to get more female photographers behind the camera on these national and international campaigns. It, it often, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. 
Shelly, you look like you were gonna say something. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's a good point. I think it's this, it's upsetting when you think about it. Really um, upsetting. It's very and upsetting. I challenge the the photo reps. I mean, I'm sorry. Look at some of the photo reps that are out there and the look at the photographers on their board. They're all men. Mm -hmm. All men. I recently met this amazing female photographer out of Philadelphia. Her work is beautiful. She's doing a lot of shooting for um, people who are developing talent. So she does a lot of testing for the modeling agencies. She's doing some stuff for some smaller um, garment designers and um, beauty product uh, developers. I tried to use my uh, experience and my connections to even get her foot in the door nobody would even talk to her. And I, I don't understand that. <laughs> I, I, so I'm, I've got a link missing there and I'm trying to, you know, sort of figure that out is how do we get some of these photographers to be repped by these photo reps? Because they're, the photo reps are missing out on an opportunity as well. That's right. Yeah. I, I know that I went to a couple of years ago, I was at a workshop and the art director uh, that was there at that workshop, him and I hit it off. And maybe about four months later, he, emailed me and said, by chance, do you have a food portfolio? And I had just put up my food portfolio. And he said, I really want to put you up for this job for shooting with Miller Coors. And with this particular ad agency, they had never had a female be the lead for this food shoot with Miller Coors under his art direction. And I won the job and we worked together and that was super awesome and fantastic. But I was like, really? Like you guys shoot I don't even know how, like they shoot like every month for this company, right? They're doing all different types of campaigns and he was sharing with me all these different things. And it's unbelievable for me to go, wait, so this entire time you've had this client, you've never had a female lead? Right. He's like, nope, you're the first. And I can guarantee you that is not the only place this is happening. And Again, it's just trying to figure out how do we how do we initiate that change? How, how do we even get clients to look at the portfolios of these other individuals, very creative individuals, whether again, the photographer, stylist, hair and makeup, lighting, you know, lighting skin right. tones, you know, you have to have knowledge about that. And I, I feel like in some ways, you know, we that that is lacking in, in some areas. Um, but it's also really important to find these individuals and bring them up as the next generation. And so for us here in New England, you know, recently New England School of Photography closed, gone forever. Really? Um, I don't, and I believe Hallmark, um, which I believe was in Connecticut, also gone. So my thing is, where, where's our next round of, uh, of young artists coming from? We look at, I watch people come out of, uh, programs for um, hair and makeup estheticians or um, uh, hair, hair stylists. They are not given any information about how to get into our business. All they're talked to about is a salon. You know, um, you know, you've got people who are stylists, like they don't even know they could be a stylist. You know, there, there's just so many opportunities in our industry right now. And I feel like there's this big gap of how to get these young folks that are out there that might not even know they have an interest in the industry, but have a certain interest in styling or makeup or photography. How do they get from here to here? Uh, how do we get them in the door? 
So I think this goes back to what you were saying earlier about mentorship and how important mentorship is about how we move forward with bringing these younger talent up or people who just want to change careers. And so how do you see doing that in your new and your new venture? Well, I have been working to try to align with some existing programs. Um, and I'm a little, again, just six months in. So this is a part of my next six month to one year goal is to connect with some programs that are already in existence. Um, I thought about starting my own, um, you know, educational platform, my own, you know, um, 501c but I'm not going to do that right now because there are already ones that exist. So there's one in Cambridge called the Loop Lab, and that is primarily focused on the video side of the business or the film side. So I'm trying to set up a, a presentation so that I can go into them and say, let's not forget about the photography industry because some of these people could overlap into that area, but how can we develop a program of information that could be presented back to either um, high schoolers, college students. Um, if it's the high school, what about vocational schools? They often have photography programs. They often have uh, esthetician programs. But again, if these kids don't know that opportunities in this industry are available, how will they ever get into it? So if there was an opportunity to develop some sort of presentation to these students, these young people just trying to figure out where they fit in life. I mean, because honestly, if you had told me in high school, I was going to be a booker at a modeling agency, I would have been like, first of all, I don't even know what a booker is, but I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what it was. I mean, when people, again, when people see all the pictures, they think they know everything about it, but they don't. And so by creating an opportunity of education about our industry, again, not trying to keep things secretive, putting things out there will only increase the abundance of folks that are interested in our business and can help build our creative teams. Um, otherwise, we're just looking at, uh, from here in New England, the same folks that have been here all along. You know, how do we work to bridge that gap and bring new people into the fold? And I, that's purely through education and it's purely through um, sharing, sharing that information between those that are currently doing and those that want to do. Yeah, yeah. I think that goes back, um, like Shelly said, to the mentoring and how do we get the word out? You know, I think that's part of our initiative as Focus on Women is to is the same, but I know a lot of other agencies, like I think um, our co-friend, uh, Marn Rossman, right? Same thing, right? She has, yeah. she brings in assistants as stylists and teaches them. You know, exactly. and gives them that opportunity to be on set, to know what that means, to do the shopping, to pair them with other, you know, already established stylists. I love that concept. And I think there's a few agents who do that. I think Nicole um, Lyon at Lyon Management does that with stylists as well. Um, so I, I love seeing that. Right. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, Programs like that need to be, if it is through a, an organization like the Loop Lab, it needs to be a paid opportunity because, you know, it's one thing for the unpaid and I get it. We do lots of unpaid bookings throughout our careers, but to give a young person an opportunity to see what could actually be made, what type of money could be made in the business. So honestly, they can go back to mom and dad and say, hey, I'm going to be a digitech. 
you know, mom and dad would be like, what the heck's a Digitech? I have no <laughs> idea what that is. You're not going to do that. But then by having a program that provides this education, they can go back and say, here's, I just got accepted to this internship. I'm going to be working for these three months. This is what I'm going to get paid. This is like the type of, of equipment I need to invest in. These are my opportunities. Then mom and dad, like, oh, yeah, they can have a little bit more confidence <laughs> the steps that their young, uh, you know, their young adult is taking to further their career is real. It's not just like, I get into this business. There's real substantial knowledge that we can provide to bring in this next, you know, generation of, of creatives. I love that. I think it's super important. And, um, that was what I was referring to in the intro was you and I had had that discussion the first time we talked about how do we get into the schools? Like, how do we get in front of those kids? And also the kids of who are, aren't of the privilege maybe of having art classes at their school or yeah. How do, how do we keep paying that forward and, and, you know, moving our industry along, you know, cause like you said, what happens when that generation of, you know, who's there in new England, wants to retire and move on. Who's left? There's very few behind us. And, right. and I, I say that to Lauren all the time. We really need to work on this. Um, and again, I think starting off something off ground level is hard. And not that I don't want it to have its own sort of life, but I think that finding an existing program and there, and there does seem to be a lot of a lot of those popping up some really great programs that have affiliations with colleges or, or mm -hmm. other arts organizations um, that are trying to make things happen. And, you know, I want to start knocking on those doors. Once I do have something of a presentation that's next on my to-do list um, uh, to share with them and say, you know, here's another offering that we could, you know, that I would like to talk to you about looping in or, or sort of melding in with your current and existing program. I know you speak to the video and film world, but let's not forget about this whole other world of photography that exists. And let's try to get some folks in here too. Right. Right. I think there's also that organization, Shelly, what's in New York, is it SALT? Is that what they're SALT called? NYC? Yeah. yeah that takes in students um, and teaches them about how to shoot on commercial sets and works with them to build a portfolio and right. provides portfolio reviews and mentorship a, a lot with ad agencies. Yeah. I really want to see something like that happen in New England so that I've, I've looked at SALT that they're one of my uh, tabbed uh, websites to go right. in and look at. Well, 100% reach out to them. Uh, Michael, yeah. who sits on their board, and I'm blanking on the woman's name who runs the organization, she's the president, are super awesome people, and they will 100% get on a phone with you and tell you everything that they know, and, Great. you know, maybe you can expand the program up there. Yeah, right. it, it, so I think that it, it's just so necessary, but it's like really the right time. I feel like yeah. people are so hungry. Um for knowledge and information. And, you know, it's just a matter of finding, you know, finding their ear, you know, we've got to just be able to get in there. Right, right. Well, you definitely have our ear and we would love to, you know, as we grow our programs and workshops and all of that stuff, I'm sure there will be ways we can collaborate on it together too. I think it's, it's exciting. Um, so I think that kind of covered everything. Um, 
And I'm so appreciative of your time and being on our podcast today with us, Christy. Can you tell people how to find you and human, Humankind Casting, where you are on Instagram and Facebook? Sure. You can find us on Instagram at Humankind Casting and on Facebook at Humankind Casting Plus Talent. Um, our website is youarehumankind.com. Awesome. Thanks again. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Leave us a review. Um, we're looking for new people to interview. So please don't hesitate to reach out. And we're at focusonwomen.org. Everyone stay safe and keep your creative juices flowing. APA is providing those who are listening to this Focus on Women podcast an opportunity to join using a $25 coupon code. APA memberships start at just $50 a year, so that's half off an annual contributor membership. Use the code FOW2021 to take advantage of this offer. The code will be valid until the end of 2021. Join at apanational.org. If you have any questions, reach out to Juliet Wolf Robin. She's the executive director of the APA, as well as being one of our founding members for Focus on Women. 